Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. So glad to be back with you today on our uh, weekly podcast. I hope things are going well in your life and that God is blessing you. Today is a day to pursue God, to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm really excited about that. And today's really a day to make some adjustments to just make sure you're in sync with what God has for your life just prior to Jesus coming back. It looks like we are we are the generation that may see Jesus return. So the, the you know, the... What we're living out in life right now, what we're facing in every level of life, seems to be paralleling the scriptures in an uncanny way. It's the reason we need to be aware and be ready. Um, you know, uh, there was the uh, the Old Testament, the Book of Chronicles, that talks about Issachar's race who had understanding concerning the times that they should know what Israel ought to do, and that was a changing time. Uh, in Israel. And, um, you know, we're in a changing time in the world right now, and God wants us to be aware. That's the reason he's given us the Holy Spirit. So seeking to wrap up this series I've had on the Holy Spirit and how he leads us. And we are looking at 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. Um, uh, John 16, 13, when he, whenever, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Where do you think he hears that? He hears that from the Father. He hears that from the Lord Jesus. Then Jesus said in verse 14, he will glorify me. Now, see, the Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws attention to Jesus, and Jesus draws attention to the Father. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say, see. And so we just need to be aware. Holy Spirit doesn't bring attention to himself. You want to think about that as you're cruising the internet and you're looking at all this, this and that and the other that's happening. Make sure that it centers around the Lord Jesus. For he, he will glorify me, John 16, 13, for he, the Holy Spirit, will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is the revealer, both of the Father and the Son to us, but he never pays attention and never draws attention to himself. He draws attention to the Father. Let me also mention John 14, 15. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. The test of love is the test of of, of obeying God's word, not because, not from the letter of the law, not from an outward thing, but because you want to. It's from the heart. So he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's well, the inference? If you love Jesus, you want to obey and do what he's asking you to do. Then he says, and I will pray or ask the Father, and he will give you another help helper. Uh, the King James Version says comforter. This is New King James. It says helper, that he may abide with you, Forever, the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. 
That's, that's before Jesus died and was rose from the dead in the church age began. He dwells with you and shall be in you. Well, that's in the church age. That's today. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Amplified New Testament gives a number of words that aptly describe uh, the word comforter in the King James or helper in the New King James, describing who the Holy Spirit is. That Greek word is the par- word parakletos. And uh, uh, para means alongside, kletos means to help, to aid. And so the Amplified aptly describes that word helper or comforter as counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. The Latin word for uh, parakletos or helper or comforter uh, literally is translated one who comes with strength. Aren't you glad you're not dependent on your own resources in the day that we're living in today? So we're talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. We've talked about, number one, the Holy Spirit creating in us a unity in the body of Christ. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us a desire to be like Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit produces a sense of righteousness, of right standing with God. And we've taken a time to cover each of these over the past number of weeks. Number four, the Holy Spirit seeks to keep us pure. He sets us apart from all this mess and crud that's in the world right now. It's the doctrine of sanctification. Number five, the Holy Spirit will lead us away from the harmful effects of our culture. Number six, the Holy Spirit will give us a sense of belonging with the Father. And and number seven, the Holy Spirit will give you an overcoming attitude in life. Number eight, the Holy Spirit will urge you to watch your words. Number nine, the Holy Spirit, here's, here's what we're covering today. The Holy Spirit removes the desire to sin from deep within our spirit nature. Now, that's really, really important today. Uh, grace is not uh, grace is not freedom to let the flesh do what it, it wants to do and do what other people in our culture are doing uh, sexually and morally and all that. No, 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 no. Grace empowers us to walk with God. Grace gives us the ability to do what we can't do on our own, and that is resist sin, to resist temptation, to overcome the works of the flesh. So again, the Holy Spirit removes the desire to sin, number nine, from deep within our our spirit and nature. That's really important to understand. There is not a real understanding today of the subject of sin itself. Just we all just need to remember and take a take a moment to pause and remember the fact that when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, or Adam's nostril, the breath of life, and he became a living soul, and they took Eve out of his side. And God placed something of himself, that is a spirit nature on the inside of of humanity. So we are a spirit being, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says. We have a soul. We live in a physical body. So when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree I told you not to eat of, you will surely die, or in dying, you will die. That is, in dying spiritually, you will also die physically. So again, you know, we are, we are a race that is, that is now spiritually dead. And that means, you know, death in the, in, the, in the Bible never means the ceasing of existence. It means uh, the lack of communication with. Um, and so again, uh, 
death in the Bible doesn't mean ceasing, it means cessation. Well, there's a hindrance in fellowship with God. So when God said, you will, you will surely die, in dying you will die, he was saying in dying spiritually. In being cut off or separated from me spiritually, you will be cut off one day and separated from your physical body. They didn't die the day they sinned physically, but they did die spiritually. And so we all inherit the nature called spiritual death, and all of us are dead in sin, all, every single one of us. We are not alive unto God just because we're human. We have to be born again, Jesus said in John chapter 3. It seems so elementary uh, that I have to make these kinds of comments, but friends, you don't hear these things preached a lot today. It's amazing. Uh, but we need to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and the Holy Spirit has has come to us uh, and removes not only the sin, but the desire to sin from deep inside of us. Romans 8.13 says this, For if you live by the dictates by the dictates of the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. And so the Holy Spirit helps us overcome the yearnings of the flesh to do wrong. Romans 2, 28 and 29, for you are not a true Jew because you've been born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision, New Living Translation says. Verse 29 of Romans 2 says, no, a true Jew, watch this, uh, is one whose heart is right with God. And then he goes a step further and says a true circumcision is not only merely obeying the letter of the law, it's not just an outward thing. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So again, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, He gives us the new birth. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. We're born again. We're born of God. That means that, what does that mean? That means the sin nature is removed from deep inside of us. Now the residue and the residual, as I've said in past lessons, the residual effect is still in our soul. It's in our minds. It's in our emotions. It's in our will. It's in our physical body. But the deep, deep, deep within us, go deeper than thought. Go deeper than emotion. Go deeper than, than, than willpower. Go deeper than the flesh. Deep inside. If I'm really born again, if I really know the Lord, the Holy Spirit has put a desire in me simply to live right. I don't want to do wrong things. That's as practical as I know how to make it. Go back to Romans chapter 6. Notice the Apostle Paul, and this is New King James Version. Notice what he said. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. That's, that's crazy thinking. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized or placed into Christ Jesus were placed into his death? That word baptism means to immerse into. We were immersed into Christ, and the water baptism is an outward observance of us already being placed in Christ when we are born again. So it's um, and so he, he, he uses these, this term baptism, meaning to place into something. So again, verse 5, For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him. 
that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now here he talks about the old man. Let's read it again. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, comma, that the body of sin might be done away with, comma, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So he says here, our old man. Now, now what is he talking about when he says, knowing this, the old man? That word old man in the Greek is the word anthropos. And one Bible uh, expositor uh, says about that, describes something that is worn out, useless, fit to be put on the scrap pile, to be discarded. The, uh, refers to the person the believer was before he was saved, totally depraved unregenerate, lacking the life of God. So that's talking about that's that's talking about my human spirit that was dead. He references and calls it the old man. All of the wrong interests, all of the wrong desires, all of the wrong yearnings that I have known in my life, they actually came from the old man. That is the nature of sin that is inside of me before I am born again. Now, Jesus references the old man here in Matthew 15, 19, when they were challenging him uh, about what things were about clean and unclean things. And he said, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, thefts, adulteries, uh, fornications, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands doesn't defile a man. It says not outward things, it's inward things. So again, Jesus is referencing the, the wicked, depraved heart of man, the old man, as, as, as Paul calls it here in Romans 6. All of us have to deal with the old man. And if you're a lady, it's the old woman. I say the old man, but just talking about the unregenerate part of you. Um, David, when he was caught by the prophet after the baby was born that he had with Bathsheba, uh, when he sinned and committed adultery and then had her husband murdered. He said, uh, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, uh, Psalm 51, 5, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Romans chapter three, verse nine, all these references are to, are about the old man that all of us have to deal with. All of us are, all of us are born into sin without relationship with God. And the default of life is hell in the lake of fire and judgment. See, that's the reason Jesus came. And so again, uh, Romans chapter three, verse uh, 10 says, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. And this is Paul describing the sinful nature of man. Uh, there is none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who do, does good. No, not one. Uh, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. So again, all of us are sinners. 
Uh, we're a depraved human race. That's the reason we have so many problems in our culture. The reason that the United States of America is in a downward spiral and tremendous demise is because we have left the light of the Word of God, and we're allowing the sin nature in people to just rise up, and it's we're becoming a really a depraved people who lack morals, integrity, and character. Why is that? When you leave the life of God, when you stop talking about the nature of sin and the need for salvation, my friend, that nature of sin rises up and it is deceitful above all things and it is desperately wicked. Without Jesus, you're a desperately wicked person. Without Jesus, I am not worth being around because without Jesus, I'm all about fulfilling what I want to do, when I want to do it, etc. And it's not about helping you, loving you, blessing you, and being a blessing to other people. I'm just telling you that that uh, sin nature is innately self-centered. That's why Jesus said, if you want to come to me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What was he saying? He's really, in essence, saying, you've got you've to believe in me. If you believe in me, you're going to be born again. And then you've got to take that will that's, that's, been, that's pointed towards doing wrong, and you've got to let it come alive with a life that I've placed in you when you're born again. So the Apostle Paul, again here, is such a, this is such a, a good thing that he's talking about here when he's talking about our freedom from sin. So he starts off by saying that our old man was crucified with him. What does that mean? That means when we're born again, that sin nature has is dealt with. Jesus has dealt a death blow to it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's not on the outside. That's not my flesh. You still look the same. If you had a crooked nose, you still got a crooked nose. It's one of your ears uh, looks different than the other one. It still looks that way. You still have the same visage on the outside, but inside you're changed. And that's what he's saying. The old man is crucified with him. That means when Jesus died, he took my sin with me. He took my sin nature with him. And when I say yes to Jesus, I literally come alive on the inside. I am born again. And that produces some tremendous changes. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now that word destroyed, the body of sin, in fact, uh, refers to the believer's body before salvation. This is from a Bible expositor, possessed or dominated and controlled by the sinful nature. He's saying before you're born again, your body's controlled by the sin nature that was deep inside you. Your human spirit was sinful. He says the person the believer was before salvation was crucified with Christ in order that his physical body, which before salvation was dominated by this evil nature, might be destroyed or rendered inoperative, that is, is no longer under the control of the sinful nature. Notice again what the God just said, that the body of sin might be destroyed or done away with. In the Greek language, it means, uh, it means to render idle inoperative, inactive, to cause to cease so that the body of sin may be done away with. We no longer have to live in sin. We no longer have to obey our minds when they're telling us to, to uh, think on things that are not lovely and pure and, and right 
And we don't have to listen to our bodies when they tell us, when, when they long to do something that we know innate, innately is wrong. We don't have to listen to our will when it's accustomed to bending and doing the wrong thing. No, 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 no. We've been transformed and changed by the power of God, knowing this, our old man's crucified with him, that nature of sin's been removed, that the body of sin, so our bodies don't have to listen to the sinful nature anymore because it's been judged in Jesus and we've been set free from its control. Might be done away with. Our bodies no longer have to be controlled by the appetites that used to control us, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. A slave has no will of his own. A slave goes a certain direction because his master tells him to go that way. We're no longer slaves of sin. Thank God we have been crucified with Jesus and the chains of slavery have been broken off of our life. So he says here, he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we should also live with him uh, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God likewise in the same manner. Verse 11, <coughs> excuse me. He says, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that reckon, he's pointing towards our will. You may have, still have, listen, so, so what, how do you make this practical? Well, here's the skinny. You may, uh, uh, in your life before Jesus, you may have done things with your mind, your, your emotions may have been inflamed with things, your body was led with certain appetites, desires, and yearnings, and these things are sinful. I mean, it could have been smoking, drinking, lusting, uh, it could be pornography, it could be all kinds of adultery, fornication, all kinds of sexual sin, it could be homosexuality, lesbianism, it could just be a mess, all kinds of crazy things, uh, lying, cheating, stealing. See, all that could have been part of your life before you knew Jesus, because Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, all that stuff comes from inside of us. But once we're born again, the nature of God comes in. The old man is kicked out. The old man of sin is removed. And in the place of that old man's sin is the nature of God. Now, that old man's sin has left a residue. That residue is in our minds. We still think some of the th same thoughts we thought before we came to Jesus. That, that the residue of the old sinful person that you were still in your emotions. You may still, uh, you may still feel melancholy. You may still feel uh, uh, anger. You may still feel just a wide range of expressions that are ungodly and wrong, and you may still be a conniver, manipulator in your head, in your thoughts, in your soul, in your emotions. And then your physical body may still have appetites that you have allowed it to have. You may still have a, you may still binge eat or, or some people binge eat and then purge. You may still have the desire to do that. Or it may be sexual promiscuity and, and your body's accustomed to having that sexual appetite uh, um, satisfied at, at the whim. Or your body may still crave pornography or your body may may still crave alcohol or drugs or whatever or, or, you know, and, and, and so understand that the cravings of that doesn't mean it's inside you. You can have the cravings on the outside, but not the cravings on the inside. And that's what I'm trying to identify, identify with you right now. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit leads us. He guides us and he guides us 
uh, he, he removes the desire from sin deep within our, our spirit nature so that we can that we can really, really, really walk with God. And so that how do you di- differentiate a believer from an unbeliever? A believer does not want to do wrong. It, listen, if it doesn't bother you to sin, you've got a problem. If you can still do what you did before you came to Jesus and it doesn't bother you and you're conscienceless about it, I question whether you're saved or not. Because of this, and I'll end with this today, 1 John 3, 4 says this, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. This is New Living Translation, 1 John 3, 4. Uh, For sin is contrary to the law of God, verse 5. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. Verse 6 says, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Now, he's talking about practice sin as a way of life and do it with, with no recourse. You have no, you have no conscience about it. It's just what you've always done, so you keep doing what you always did. But he said, anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, verse 9, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning as a way of life because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are children of the devil. So, you know, listen, I, I've been walking with Jesus. I'm into my 47th year, and, you know, I've, uh, I think I've... Um, Oh, boy, I've talked to so many people. I've done, I know this is odd to say, but I've, I think I've done 80 or 81 funerals in my life as a as a pastor and minister. And, and you know, you, you think a lot about life. And, and I've had so many people who had a relative die or a relative who's having problems or whatever. And they say, oh, but so-and-so is just a good person. So here is a, a fallacy. If you say you made Jesus Lord one time in your life and you were eight or nine years old or you were a kid, you were a teenager, but you no longer walk with God and you're sinning, there is nothing in the Bible that says just because you confess Jesus as your Lord one time in your life, but you never followed through with a changed behavior, there's nothing. There's, and, and you live like everybody else. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you lust, you commit fornication, you have sexual sin in your life. I mean, just on and on and on and on. And you're a liar, whatever, whatever, just like everybody else, see. The Bible says if you're born again, you don't have a desire to do wrong on the inside. And the lack of change on the outside bespeaks that perhaps there just may be a lack of change on the inside. Because I can tell you firsthand, when you come to Jesus, he changes your appetites. He changes your desires. You want to live differently. And it's not that you never do wrong, and it's not that you never sin, but when you do, it so affects you inside. You just can't hang there. You can't stay there. You can't live there. you got to deal with it because your conscience is alive unto God. If you can go in the paths of sin, or what the Bible says is wrong, it doesn't bother you, that bespeaks lack of change 
on the inside. And I just want to encourage you. So, well, pastor, what do I do when I do sin? Well, that's why, that's why John said, if we ha- say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we're walking in darkness and we're doing wrong and we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. But then he said, if we confess our sins, that means agree with God that what he says is right and what we're doing is wrong. If we're, if we're doing wrong, if we confess our sin, tell him what you've done. Tell him what you've been thinking. Tell him what you've been wanting to do. Tell him what you've been doing. Tell him what you've been saying. Whatever the sin is, confess your sin. Agree with him that it's wrong. And say, Lord, I judge that, you know, practice self-judgment. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-two. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord. So judge yourself. How? Confess your sin. How do you do that? Tell him exactly what you did when you did it. Thought, word, action, motive, whatever it is. Say, God, I did that, and that's wrong. I know it's wrong. I judge that as wrong. I don't want that in my life. And, Lord, I ask you to help me. And then do this. Say, Lord, help me to deal with any desire in my mind, in my flesh, in my emotions, in my will, in my body. When my body or, or my person wants to do things that I know is wrong, deep inside me, I don't want to do it. See, there's a conflict. See? And you take that conflict to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Help me to work out on the outside what I am on the inside. Lord, I'm asking you, help me to deal with the desire in my mind and my flesh and my emotions and my body to do wrong. Help me. I ask for your grace to come on me and empower me to overcome the residual effects of that old man that's been kicked out when Jesus came in. You know, if you'll do that, God will help you in just a tremendously amazing way. The Holy Spirit removes the desire to sin from deep within our human, our spirit nature, and he places in us a desire to be like Jesus. So, Father, I pray for me and all of us. We're living in a really crooked generation, a crooked world, a, a, a downward spiral culture. And Lord, I ask that your grace would be on us to walk with you. and not, Lord, I, I ask you from our minds, from our emotions, from our wills, and from our bodies. Lord, I ask you to, to take those yearnings and we place them at your feet right now. Would you do that in your own life? Place all of these things that our flesh wants to do. We place them at your feet. And Lord, let the Spirit come alive. Let the Spirit nature in us, where the Holy Spirit lives and where the righteous nature of Jesus lives. Lord, let it come alive inside of us and crowd out all of these wrong things that sometimes our minds, our emotions, our wills, and our bodies want to do in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to walk with you in Jesus' name. My friend, God bless you. I hope your day goes great. Can't wait to talk to you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.